For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost? I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Counting the cost. We are to count the cost of following Jesus. I suppose everyone here is familiar with counting the cost of many things in our lives, though J.P. Morgan famously said to someone inquiring about the cost of maintaining a yacht, if you have to ask, you cannot afford it. Perhaps we can't afford it, but Jesus tells us to count the cost anyway. This instruction on the cost of becoming his disciple is so famous that it has a very serious and important title, the cost of discipleship. In fact, if you open your Bible to Luke 14, 25, it will have that heading over it. And the cost of discipleship is the title of the justly famous book by German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, martyred by the Nazis in World War II. He who surely counted the cost, willingly carrying the cross, giving up all he had to follow Jesus Christ. But that's a very high bar. One out of reach for many of us, and yet we too, we know how to count the cost. Among us, who among us hasn't counted the cost of something as simple as whether or not we can afford to buy a car at this time or take on a mortgage? Who hasn't gauged whether the degree they're pursuing is worth the student loans or balance the cost of marriage or having children? Jesus uses as his example a farmer counting the cost of building a tower in his fields so that he might look out over his land to catch thieves and foraging animals. Shouldn't that man figure out how much it will cost and see if he has enough money to finish the project? If he doesn't, he risks laying a foundation and then running out of money so that all who pass by the desolate foundation will ridicule him for not being able to finish what he started, which, I must say, puts me in mind of our own church here. This building begun with great enthusiasm and glorious plans over a century ago, but only half finished when the money ran out. This building, as I mentioned in a sermon a few weeks ago, was meant to be twice as large as it currently is, this much space being on that side as well. But it was stopped short, finished not with a glorious long choir leading up to a high altar, but ending abruptly with a squat wooden structure, adequate to the task, but short of the dreams a structure we lived with for 50 years. I wonder, 
Were we ridiculed at that time as fools who hadn't counted the cost? But of course, don't we often get the cost wrong? Even when we've been cautious, planning to the penny, or perhaps we thought we understood the cost, but when the bill is presented, it's much more dear than we realized it would be. Perhaps we made enough money to pay our mortgage when we signed those documents at the title company, but then the recession hit. Or the cost of college or graduate school seemed reasonable, but we didn't fully understand how much interest would inflate our payments or we underestimated how much we would make in our new career. Perhaps we committed ourselves to spending the rest of our lives with another and then marriage proved less romantic comedy and more trial by dirty dishes and laundry misunderstandings and in-laws. <laughs> and frankly, that's the cheapest of the costs of love and fidelity. And I don't think I need to go into the costs of having children and how few are aware of the true cost that will be emotionally, financially. Jesus tells us to count the cost before following him and the cost is putting the gospel before our own family. The cost is taking up the cross. The cost is everything we have. But most of us, most of us here started following Jesus before we even knew what the cost was. We're here because we were raised in the church and this is what you do on Sunday morning. Or we came to church because we had a longing or a tragedy in our lives and we hoped that God would provide some comfort. Or we come to church because it's friendly and welcoming or because there's beautiful worship here or because we love the music or because we know the people, because it feels like a good fit for us. And then slowly, over time, we learn the cost of following, really following Jesus Christ. Hold loosely everything you have that isn't God. Carry the cross. Give up all you have. So what happens, what happens if we count the cost and we get it wrong? Well, in the case of our beautiful church 50-some years ago, the grace of God appearing in the guise of a very handsome check from Mr. Eli Lilly, that grace allowed us to finish the church, and God's grace can come in many ways. We were not able to double the size of our church or completed according to the original plans, but together with prayer and planning and vision, we were able to craft this beautiful chancel that inspires our spirits, allowing us to worship and to know the holy in ways unimaginable in 1911. 
And sometimes in our own lives, God's grace allows us to meet the cost that we are unable to bear ourselves. Family help us with the mortgage, and maybe we learn new patterns of living, denying ourselves some things to make that student loan payment. And perhaps after years in Christian community of reading and hearing God's word, of seeing the model of other faithful disciples around us, we start to live into the forgiveness and the grace and the generosity that allow us to thrive in our marriages, that gives room to our children. But sometimes we fall short. We got the cost wrong and we can't pay the bill when it comes due. We didn't have enough information, or we overestimated our ability or our willingness to cover the cost, or we decided that something else was more important than our original plans. Our buildings remain unbuilt, empty foundations, reminding us of our failures. We go into battle, and we are rooted by the other side, having failed to take the true measure of our ability and strength. It may seem, then, that all is lost, that we have failed, fallen short of the glory of God, unworthy to be called disciple. Or we might grow angry bitter, blaming God for our shortcomings or for asking us to bear more than we can for setting the price too high. But if we keep following, if we keep following over days and weeks and years, Surely God will supply the grace and the strength we need to carry the cross, to divest ourselves of all the trappings that the world says we must have so that we might have what is priceless beyond compare, so that we have a new family, one not bound by blood but created from faith and love. It might take a lifetime. We might build many foundations and very few buildings. We might go into battle unprepared over and over again, but we cannot fail as long as we keep following. For even Jesus stumbled as he carried the cross. Even Jesus asked God if he would remove the cup. Even Jesus cried out, why have you forsaken me? Make no mistake, there is a cost. It is high. It costs everything. All that we have, all that we are, so that we might follow the one who went to the cross, the one who emptied himself out saying, yet not my will, but yours be done. The one who cried at the end, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. There is a cost. And I suppose if we have to ask, we can't afford it. But if we keep following, we will be shaped.
and formed and strengthened by God's grace so that we might one day bear the cost. We might one day bear the cross. For as Dietrich Bonhoeffer promised in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, the call to discipleship is a gift of grace. And that call is inseparable from grace. The call to discipleship is a gift of grace, and that call is inseparable from grace. And by that grace, we will see the glory of giving up all to follow, of carrying the cross, that instrument of shameful death, which Christ has transformed for us into the means of life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.